episode 155 for October 2011. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. An example on this episode is on the Untold Tales of Spider-Man Omnibus. This one collects all 25 issues of the regular series, along with the annuals and the follow-ups Kurt Music and Pat Olaf have done over the years. This one is huge and clocks in at 800 pages of essential Spider-Man reading. The cover price is 100 bucks. Mail order has it for just $61.99, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at their new website, MailOrderComics.com. On to reviews, we've got two issues this month, Amazing Spider-Man 669 and 670. Uh, we're tackling 669 first. It's part three of Spider-Island, uh, written by Dan Slott and penciled by Humberto Ramos. The title of this story is Arachnotopia. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, let's start with the new guy, Josh. <laughs> Your thoughts on this? Pros and cons and grades, sir. Well, I liked... Kevin hasn't read them anyway. Sorry, I always read the Skype when someone puts something. I like yes, that. Thanks for letting the listeners know that I'm going to take a pee, Bertoni. That was, uh, that was very well, offensive. Actually, you did, but that, that's beside the point. Tell them <laughs> what's going on with the inner plumbings of your body. Um, you, know, you can feel free to share Best that. Become outer. Wow, ow, 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 ow. Moving on. Oh, Lord. You, uh, I liked that after, you know, issues and issues of, you know, the. the as uh, some people call it, the Church of Cooper, you know, and everyone and Carly being like, "Hey, Peter, watch this. This is how you do things." And Mary Jane being like, "Hey, Peter, look, Carly's being responsible." This issue, we finally had Peter unleashing some kung fu, and Carly being like, "Oh my gosh, that was awesome! How did you do that?" And he saves her butt. That was pretty cool. Uh, About freaking time. I th- I don't remember who pointed this out to me. It might have been Donovan Grant, um, the Amazing Spider-Man reviewer on the front page. When Carly's glasses break, she says, "It's okay. I didn't need them anyway." That's actually a callback to when Peter got his powers and his glasses broke, and you know his spider powers. So I was like, "Oh, that's that's actually some cool symmetry. That's awesome." And it would have been even cooler if the next time you see Carly, she wasn't wearing her glasses. But guess what? <laughs> When she shows up at the end of the book, she's wearing her glasses still. So um, that kind of would have been cool. Now, the thing that some people are going to be talking about this issue is they kind of tease, does Carly suspect that he's Spider-Man? You know, what's going on? Is she breaking through the psychic mind blot? I think that this is another case, like the Goblin Tattoo, of Slot pulling a fast one. Carly's going to be like, it's okay, Peter, I know your secret. And then he's going to be like, oh, no, no, no. It's, she's like, I know your secret that you're really impersonating Spider-Man for some reason. Trying to try and impress me because you're jealous. And then Peter will be like, oh, yes, yes, that's totally... I think it's going to be something like that. Um, it was, so you, was that one of your pros? I don't know how I feel about that yeah. um, when I was reading it. it's um, uh, My cons, I guess, is I did not like everyone transforming into giant spiders. That looked really ridiculous, and it kind of just goes with... <sighs> I don't like the idea of everyone in New York City turning into giant spiders. It feels like a Maximum Carnage-type storm, like I said last issue. Um, the, the mystery villain's queen, a lot of people suspected that. I don't know if she would have been in my mind had it not been for people online guessing her, because I really haven't thought about her since that initial storyline. Ramos's, uh, Ramos's art is still a little on and off for me, but I'll go ahead and give this a B-. minus. It didn't have anything, like, really, really insulting. Um, and let's see where this whole Carly knows, does Carly not thing. No, go. Yeah. JR. 
Well, uh, someone was talking about butts earlier, and that kind of reminds me of page three of 669, where, like, we're getting the the white rabbit's butt, you know, like squarely in our face. And I'm thinking, holy cow, is it even anatomically possible to to bend like that? Um <laughs> And I noticed then that the comic is rated T for teen, and I'm thinking, now, wait a minute. What about all those 10-year-olds Joe Casada was saying when everybody was saying, oh, gee, this is nothing new that Peter's lost his job. We've read it all before, and Joe Casada says, well, there's a 10-year-old that hadn't read it before. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, is the 10-year-old getting an eyeful of this? Oh, no, it's rated teen, so where's the 10-year-olds? I don't know. It's, it's a vicious circle. Anyway, you know, I've got mixed feelings about Spider Island. I, 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 it was, it's one of those where I went, when I initially read the issue, it was like, oh, God, you know, I mean, how long is this going to go on? You know, and then when I read both, you know, 669 and 670 back to back, and, you know, it's like, oh, well, that, that kind of flows a lot better. So I'm very up and down on Spider Island. Um, I, I would give this issue a C+. Plus. Um, it's it just nothing really. It, it's like, I mean, I like a couple of the lines here. I like it when the jackal says, you know, that he wouldn't, you couldn't pay him to clone Carly Cooper. I kind of like that line. <laughs> um, I, I'm really enjoying enjoying J. Jonah Jana, Jameson's rantings over the last two issues. Uh, I, I'm tired of Madam Webb, you know, going, oh, I can't see the future. I can't see the future, you know. <laughs> And that's the only point. That's the only thing she does. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's the only thing she does is go. Oh, I'm in, I'm in pain. I can't see the future. And it's like, okay, fine. What point was that? Well, you know, what point did we just make here? Uh, the web is broken. Yeah, exactly. So the web's always broken when that yeah. chick shows up. You ever notice yeah. that? So this 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 is pr- just a pretty average issue, and it's like, okay, come along, let's speed this up. I give it a C plus. Okay. Question for you. Maybe I missed it. Is the Spider King a clone of Captain America, or is it Captain America? It's, it's Captain, Captain America. Didn't you read Captain Venom? America? You're supposed to read Venom number six. You know, <laughs> well, I'm a couple it, behind on Venom. No, no, so. no, 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 no. No, it's like when 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 you were asking the you know when, when people were asking the question, wait a minute, how does the Jackal know that Peter Parker Spider Man? What about the mind wipe? And then Dan Slott gives us this interview answer in an interview. Oh well, he cloned Spider Man, took his mask off, and saw it was Peter Parker. It's your responsibility, Brad, <laughs> in order to understand these stories. It's your responsibility to go out to the web, read all of the interviews, and read. <laughs> All of the ancillary titles before you get these answers, you know. <laughs> nice, uh, George. What's your two cents on this book? Um, you know, when this all or when 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 big time law started, um, I you know I had defended Ramos's art. You know, the, Ramos took a lot of hits from people on this podcast about his art. And a lot of people on our message boards. Remember at the time, I was like, yep. he is a we're good all, artist. He's a know. great artist. It's just his style is not always suited to things and, and with, you know, or to certain stories or types of stories. Because I've always liked Ramos as an artist, and I still do. But I pointed out when Big Time started, remember I said, he's tightened it up. He's reined it in. He's tightened things up immensely, and this looks, this, this looks almost like more like, like J. Scott Campbell, remember? Yep. Um, it's kind of gone now. He, he's he's kind of lost that that reined it in kind of thing for this, and it's back to being normal Ramos. And the, I'm not going to say it doesn't work for the story. I, I don't think it works for an Amazing Spider-Man title, but it works okay for this story because this story is not written 
at, at, at a page for, for what I would think an Amazing Spider-Man title should be. And the, the pacing in this title, and I've pointed this out before. You know, I, I've pointed this out before that the, uh, the way Slot writes this title now, it's like it, it's like it's paced like a Phineas and Ferb cartoon. <laughs> you know? Or, and, and I started thinking when I was reading this, I was like, this is, this is paced now like, like manga with like, you know, like with like the big-eyed girls and the cat ears and, you know. Whatever. It's paced like manga or anime or Disney cartoons, and it's like – it's paced for five-year-olds, but it's written for, for horny teenagers <laughs> or people in their early 20s. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it, it's a jumbled mess, and the entire thing is just – it's just too frenetic. It is. It's like Robin Williams writing uh, Akira. I, <laughs> I just I, – I don't – it's, it's yeah. not all that easy to follow along. Things are changing too much. Bertone hit that – was it Bertone who compared it to Maximum Carnage? I forget. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That that was a perfect analogy for that because it feels like they're trying to compress all fourteen issues of Maximum Carnage into like a few of Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. I talk about your pros. He had a lot of cons. What's some pros? Um. Yeah. <laughs> I got. I got. You know. I got nothing as far as. You got as, nothing. Uh, I got no. I got you know. Uh, it's all con. I mean, it's all con, but it's not. It's just a disappointing con. It's not a straight up fail. Con. Well, they missed an opportunity to kill Carly off and cause Peter some uh, some grief. You know, Peter could have really been beating himself up with the guild for years after uh, Carly. And, and here's the thing: is it this issue where she bugs out, or is no, it six next seven? Issue. Next issue where he next can't issue. find her. Okay, because yeah. okay, well, we'll get to that next issue because I couldn't remember if it happened in this issue or that or that issue. No, she she. At the end of this issue. At the end of the issue. Okay. All right. Yeah, she and the shark are bug out together. It, it's a nice bond. They bug out together. Uh-huh. All right. No, I, I got I got nothing for Liza. Are this. you a big fan of that Paul Jenkins story uh, with the Queen and Captain America? I, I was not. And I love Paul <laughs> Jenkins to death. Um, yeah. But it's I no. I've, I've got I've, I've got nothing on that. No. Okay. Uh, Zach, do I'm I not going give to it go final grade. Oh, we're not doing final oh, grade. Oh, grade. Sorry. Go ahead. Jeez, I'm going to give it a. Uh, I'll give it a C plus. Okay. Zach. Okay. This is getting a straight C. Number one. Ramos had very little lead time to work on this story. It seems like because it's not polished. It's nowhere near the polished this, uh, pencils and panels that we've seen from him throughout most of the major majority of his run on, big, on the big time era so far um, so that's that's a con pro I like the jackal being a little bit maniacal and kind of cracking jokes because that's just me but if they were going to do a story concerning the clone saga related stuff why do they have to pick not maximum carnage I'm not going to say that I think a better analogy would be maximum clonage because instead of having uh, you know, a, a crazed homicidal maniac running around. No, we have a bunch of clones, quote-unquote, with spider powers turning into giant mutated spiders. So we're going to take this story of maximum clonage, and then we're going to add this craptastic story that was known as the Spectacular Spider-Man issues with Avengers Disassembled, and mash them together, and this is the, this is the result. Um, the Queen, I hate the Queen. I believe I gave this, uh, I gave those, like, 
one one out of five webheads before. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I was the one that reviewed those books back in the day. So, what year just, was this? Like oh four, oh three? What was? Yeah, it? this was oh four. This was, I mean, this okay. was this was back pre Bendis. Um, yeah. Uh, this, this was right before New Avengers because uh, this was supposed to be like why Captain America asked Avengers to disassembled. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. As, and, as and every, so, hey, hey Zach, sure. Zach, answer this one for me because you point out that you like the cackling jackass shackle. Um, hasn't every villain slot written so far since big time since he's become the sole writer been a cackling jackass, including like the Mandarin? Haven't they all been like the same voice except for well, maybe Doctor Octopus? Wait, when was the Mandarin in Amazing Spider-Man? It was a pre-comic book day issue. Not the Mandarin, the Mandrill. I'm sorry. Did I not say did I Mandrill. say Mandrill? The Mandrill. Yeah, oh sorry. yeah. I meant, to, I meant to say Mandrill. I'm sorry. Uh, I okay, I, 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 fair enough. I see your point. Because, cause, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's I, I've already Zach, seen this what, character before. Zach, what's some pros? The pros, because um, there has to be pros if you're I like an Peter grade. having. You know, I said it's about time when Peter actually mans up and starts, you know, breaking out his spider foo. Uh, I was clapping because it's about freaking time. Okay, yeah. Peter Parker is the star of this book, but yet he has been negated to, to guest star status. He he gets punked by the Avengers in the previous issue, and now he's finally doing something a little heroic. I enjoyed that aspect of it, but at the same time, it got to the. This is getting very old very fast. In the, when the fact that Peter Parker keeps getting punked every other issue. It's like beating to death the notion that Peter Parker's a loser. And okay. when well, you have C out of you, right? It's a C. C. Okay. Uh, I'll, get, I'll go the same line Bertoni did. I'm going to give it a B minus. Pros. I thought Slot had a couple witty lines. I liked the line of um, Kane, who doesn't really talk that much, but he growls, "Peter's got some new moves. Nice." I thought that was just kind of cool. But I don't know. I just thought that was cute. I also thought the Mary Jane line of "You've got to be kidding me!" with everybody flying over her head, and she's the last person that doesn't have spider powers. Thought that was cool. I also thought the Carly Cooper taking the sandwich to the lab of examining the teeth marks was actually kind of funny. It was one of the rare Carly Cooper lines I thought was awesome in the 100 plus issues she's been in. Uh, Con, we got to see the small spider tattoo again. Yuck. <laughs> and Con, not. I think that was the the Queen was probably uh, Paul Jenkins' worst story arc of Peter Parker and the spinoff uh, Spectacular. Uh, I don't know why we would ever want to bring this character back. Why can't the Jackal just be in charge of all these? Oh and, God, and it's actually the Queen. Yeah, it's yeah, the Queen. Exactly. Oh, yeah. No. It's the Queen. Sorry to ruin making, it for you, Kevin. Making but comparisons with Man Spider stories. No. That, that's worse no. than I even expected. No, no. The Queen is behind it all. <laughs> She's the okay. Queen. Oh, Bailey's not how here. Did, here, help me. How? Because I hated the story so much, I forget how it ended. Did she die at the end of the Paul Jenkins book? She died. You couldn't tell. Yeah, it was. You really left. couldn't tell. She screamed, and it was like there was a whoosh, and it was like, well, what the heck happened? But right. you know, I mean, I, I don't know why you guys are being so hard on the story. After all, it had it only had Spider-Man becoming pro. 
pregnant, turning into a giant spider, dying, busting out, then having oozing, oozing <laughs> stuff coming out of his wrist. And then, and then Paul Jenkins wrote that great dialogue when, he, when, when Spider-Man said, you fat old trout and you pile of puke. I mean, <laughs> you well, can't get forget. any better dialogue than that. I don't know what you guys are bitching about. the wonderful development where he could hear insects. Yeah, that one, that one was quickly forgotten. Yeah, well, did I swear I could be wrong, but I swear I I read somewhere that Paul Jenkins didn't even like that story. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did that too. <laughs> no, it was Evil Twin that wrote it, right? <laughs> yeah, well, okay, he wrote okay. That and then he told uh, he wrote that and then he told Wizard that he was done writing superhero comics. That he had just read a story that well, yeah. that had convinced him to stop, and it was his own story, just like Wade. Uh, yeah, uh, no, I, I Mary uh, Jane went to the hairdresser and like he. Joking with her hairdresser about how she's going to like pretend to be mad at Peter for kissing Queen, even though it wasn't his fault. And he grows the spider eyes, and she says, "No, uh, you know, you're not getting out of this wedding, even though you turn into a giant spider. Shame on you, yeah. Peter." The most ridiculous thing I've ever read. All right, Amazing yeah. Six Seventy Part Four of Spider Island. How many parts is this damn thing? Six. Uh, six good. parts. We got next month Plus also. Prelude. Oh, and and a, and a prologue and road to infest, and we're going to have an epilogue. And I'm sure to film. Oh, God. And I'm sure to be a mini series, you know, afterwards yeah. too. This one's called <laughs> Flood Spider Flood. Island Point One, Point Two, and Point Three. Spider Island Part Four: Spiders, Spiders Everywhere, written by Dan Slott, Humberto Ramos again. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Jr. Start off soft with this one. <laughs> Jeez, at, my, at, at my age, I'm always starting off soft. I tell you. Um, <laughs> she said. You know, Jameson, so I thought you might like this one. Yeah, I did. You know, strangely enough, um, I like this better than 669 for a lot of obvious reasons, but then it also failed to live up to the potential it had. I mean, the idea of J. Jonah Jameson getting spider powers and fighting crime alongside Spider-Man with the two of them insulting each other back and forth and, you know, is classic. I mean, I, I, they, he really – they you Slot really could have done a lot more with this. I mean, more scenes of Jonah and, and Spidey fighting and arguing and less scenes of the Queen and Jackal wringing their hands together about their evil, nefarious plot, you know, ha, 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 ha. Um. So, like I said, it, it did. It, it had more potential than it did, and I and I liked some of Jonah's lines. I mean, my my personal favorite, and I would love to see J.K. Simmons do this one. Was you know, now back off, you pencil pushing Poindexters! It's time somebody took some action around here. That is just so hokey and so corny and so Jonah. You know, I mean, that, I I love that line, and I you know I also like the you know what's your name, and you know, and the guy says his name. You're fired, you other guy. Go down here and take me to this place, and uh, you know, and but then and and then you know, and then you know, Spider Man saying, oh by the way, let me get a spare costume. I'll cut out a hole for your mustache. You know, <laughs> shut up. You know, ah, oh, Joe, you know, jolly Jonah, my butt. You're no fun at all. I mean, if if the issue, I I, I would have given it a day if it had more than that. I mean, if it had more of that, but then Jonah, yeah. then, then Jonah turns into a spider monster, and and uh, you know it, it's it, it kind of then kind of sinks. There, but uh, there's really only what three pages of him really doing the spider powers. Yeah, and I, then I, when you turn the page, you've got the uh, the the queen's cleavage in your face. Not yeah. that I mind that, but <laughs> Brad, shock. And, and so, you know, it, 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 it's interesting. I'm sorry, Brad. Yeah. 
Well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was about to say, and uh, you know, and as much as I really don't like Ramos's art, strangely enough, I actually kind of liked a little bit of it this time. Um, I, I don't like the way he draws Peter Parker. You know, I mean, I just I don't I don't like the way he, I don't like the way he draws Aunt May. Aunt May always looks like the Crypt Keeper under Ramos, and but I, I liked in a way I liked the picture of Mary Jane climbing up the wall. I, I like that, and I also like the way I also like his depiction of Reed Richards. I mean, for some reason, he gives Richards that kind. Of, even though Reed Richards is the good guy, it seems like he still has, he has that dark, obsessive genius type of look to him still. And I just I just kind of like that. But you know, but then again, according to Steve Wacker, only old people don't like Ramos. That everybody who's young, you know, bows and worships and you know and kisses his feet. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm out of did you, he, did said, you like- he says a lot of stuff. But I, but I would give, I would give the overall issue a B minus. It had a lot of potential, and it's a shame it didn't live up to it because it could have been a classic issue. What did you think of bringing the Spider Slayer back at the end, and Jameson potentially killing him? <laughs> I didn't think anything of it. I'll just wait and see what happens next issue. Yeah. You know, it's Marvel Comics. Nobody dies. You know, <laughs> I mean, and, 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 and if he does, he's such a weenie character. Who cares? You know? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, George, did you like this one better? Um, artwork-wise, it was a little tighter than the last issue. Um, why spy? Okay, so we have Carly flips into the you know ugly spider thing, um, and then he's like, you know, we get that that title page where he's like, Carly, I'm sorry, oh no, Carly, and then later on he's quipping. You know, he's quipping while he's sitting there fighting with Jonah and everything, and I'm like, you know, I, I've seen this character when he thinks he's lost somebody before, and he and he doesn't do that. And so that's the writers, you know, that, that that's bad writing on that on that part. Um, the the Spider Queen, she's kind of got the same voice as the Jackal. She uses sarcasm at one point. You know, she's like, "Can somebody go kill him, please? Pretty please, or something like that." Every villain in this has the same damn voice, except for the ones that are grunting, like uh, like you know, like cavemen. You know, um, there was a reference to Marvel Two in One from the nineteen seventies or eighties. Yeah, with a with with spider. Yeah, with the. I didn't read Alicia that one either. Spider powers. Yeah. Um, man, I don't. I don't know. It's, that was the oldest reference I've seen in a long time. I turned this leech into a big spider monster for some reason. I, I, I flipped through those after I read the footnotes. Yeah. Now that is this true continuity porn. There, I tell you. <laughs> I was that a, I guess Spider Man in that one with Ben? No, no, it has nothing to do with Spider Man at all. It has okay. nothing to do with anything. The only thing that's related is that Alicia turned into the same species that they're dealing with in this issue. And because Dan Slot <laughs> Oh, I remember my old Marvel comics. I got them right here. <laughs> he sounds like Beavis. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it, he references a lot of these seventies Marvel two ones and team ups a lot. Like I remember in um uh, what was it? Uh, that what well, new ways to die? He says to um, uh, what's her face? Um, what, what was the female member of Thunderbolts? Uh, Jolt. Uh, I forget her name with the purple hair. But he's like, don't you remember we had that team up? Yeah, don't we, don't you remember that time when we teamed up against this person in the '70s issue of Marvel Team Up? Like, Slot likes to reference the '70s stories more so than the oh. '80s stories and the '90s ones. Marvel Two and One Number Twenty Nine had the Master of Kung Fu. Shang-Chi, and 30, 30 had Spider-Woman. Huh. Oh, so it's appropriate that Spider-Woman's on that page. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Okay, I, I've never read See, those did issues. you not understand the genius? 
<laughs> okay. The, the, the uh, crux of Spider Island hashtag, you know, lies in that old, you know, Marvel two in one story. We need to read it to understand it, so Marvel will reprint it, and you know, it'll cost eight dollars. No, I, I digress. Go go ahead with your review, George. It was George, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, the only interesting thing in here really is uh, anti venom, which I mean, that should say something about your overall story. <laughs> You know the the fact that that that, that the venom and anti venom subplot is heading towards something that may resemble a sliver of gratification in some way. Um, no. You know when you're not even a venom fan, that that should say something about how you know just kind of complacent and pedestrian your overall arc is. Zach Procon, pros. Uh, I did like the uh, Spider Slayer's appearance in the book. Um, References back to the to the in, 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 completing the run, uh, the queen. Still, uh, I, I liked how they use exposition and and to to tell you what happened. It tells you pretty much everything you need to know without having to actually go back and read that terrible last story. Which, for the record, I did give two of those issues three out of five. Don't ask me why. I was probably smoking dope that day. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> Uh, the artwork is a lot tighter. Uh, I felt like it was even better. And I felt like – I remember this saying this uh, before with uh, Humberto Ramos. Whenever he goes to that really sketchy, flashbacky type of style, I always tend to prefer that over his actual regular style. And I liked it really a lot here. So I, I, I like I the artwork better in this issue than I did the previous issue. Uh, I liked the synergy of – Yes, I just used the phrase synergy of the anti-venom. Uh, do you actually know what it means? Uh-oh. Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, nuts. <laughs> yes, I do. Dictionary.com says. But I like the uh, the meshing of the continuity between the Venom book and the, the, the main story. I mean, th- this entire page is literally lifted out of that book. Um so I, I like that a lot. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson being a blowhard, this really was supposed to be his issue, and I felt like the, my big con is they didn't do enough with the J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, I mean, the cover is fantastic, and then it underdelivers. Um, I did enjoy the quippage with, with Peter Parker, and I, under, I, I can get why he, Peter Parker is quipping about these books, because or, or about, about these books, about the, about the issues, because... It's his security blanket. He just eases right back in because he's trying not to focus on the fact that Carly Cooper is a giant woman spider. So, what would have made it better would be if he had made a you know a dialogue box being like, you know, Carly, I can't believe she's that. I just gotta, I just gotta act like nothing's wrong. I gotta act like nothing's wrong. I just, yeah, let's let me kick this bad guy's ass. You know, I, I understand. I can understand where Slot was going with that. So, I'm going to give this probably a. a a B minus. Uh, it wasn't perfect, um, and I'm I'm kind of curious to see where we're going to go from with part four. Okay. Uh, is it everybody? The job, Bertoni. Your two cents. He doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't, don't care. I'm, the, I'm, I'm still um, I'm, I'm still on probation. <laughs> uh, some of the dialogue this issue was just ridiculous. And someone asked Dan Slott on his form spring, what's the hardest thing for him to do? And he admitted dialogue. And uh, I believe that. 
And uh, let me read to you a sample. Jack was saying, isn't this great? Who would have thought that little old Andrea Soria would grow up to be queen of a whole spider island? Who talks like that? Nobody. But, like, and, and, and who makes these observations? And, and granted, you know, we, we're not in everyday situations like this where, you know, we're faced with these observations to make. But, I mean, really? It's like, that was very overly exposition yeah. And then, like, just the, 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 the sitcom puns, like, Jonah's like, you mean I'm going to grow fur? In August? Like, was that Nathan? Uh, I liked the Venom crossover, and when I was reading, like, both of the books, I think I read Venom first, and, like, when I read Amazing, I was like, wait, no, this totally doesn't match. This is not how the scene went down in Venom. Then I'd open it up and i compare. I'm like, nope, they got it exactly right. That's actually uh, pretty cool. Okay. And it wasn't... Um, and you could read um, Amazing Spider-Man with you know without reading Venom and still get like the full effect of the events that happened, you know. But if you want to go more into the fight and the ramifications of it, you know, obviously you can read Venom. But both of the books, you know, were able to stand somewhat on their own. There wasn't any pertinent information in that issue of Venom, you know, like you know the revelation of Captain America that you would have missed. There's so many cures going on right now that, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's on purpose or that's the point, but we got this cure that Reed's working on where people can, like, tell which way's north. We got the cure that he's working on because Alicia turned into a spider in a book that everyone forgot about except for Slot. We got the cure that, <laughs> that Smythe randomly announces before Jonah gives him a hickey, and then apparently Eddie Brock can cure people. That's four different simultaneous cures, so... And just that page of, uh... Joan, this is what I don't like about Spider Island hashtag, you know, and just where this, I, I, I don't know if I ever want to see Jonah turn into a monster and bite the neck of Alistair Smythe. That's, uh... Too bad, you just saw it. Yeah, I, I, I just saw it, and I can't believe that I saw it. It's like, You're I don't not know... the customer for those hickeys. Wacker is. I mean, am, am I taking Jonah too seriously? Am I taking these characters to, or, or do I just think that like they shouldn't be turning into giant spiders? I mean, and just like, and as he's saying it, he's like, oh, I sent you to death, chomp. It's and just the art of Jonah as a spider monster. I was saying the Donovan when it came out, that was really ugly. He's like, well, of course it's ugly. He's supposed to be a monster. I'm like, yeah, but make it look. Uh, I, this is getting a C minus from me. Okay. Is this Son, issue? We're grown men talking about Spider Man. We are all taking this too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, Jer. Just the issue where uh, Reed thought of the, the the dumb spider power. I thought that was actually kind of clever. That was that was last thinking. issue. I, well, that was one of my pros then, because I thought that was kind of funny, where he gives everybody power, the ability to find North. I thought, thought that was really kind of funny. And like a sitcom, Glory Grant <laughs> says, but we live in New York. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> we know which way's North. Spider uh, fur in August? <laughs> Spider <laughs> Island hashtag was filmed before a live studio audience. <laughs> This uh, was a little bit better than last issue, in my opinion. Uh, the the J. Joe and Jameson, as, as everybody said, we need more of it, but what there was was pretty classic Jameson Spider-Man. I thought that was really kind of funny. Um, what, what? That's my pro. The con, I really haven't cared for the Queen in ten years. I don't need to see her origin again, uh, and I don't really care that all the New Yorkers are big giant spiders crawling around. I just don't care for that. Um, I did, Another pro, I like that James, they uh, um, brought back the Spider Slayer from a previous arc. I thought that was kind of neat. But uh, the Jameson getting spider powers uh, 
ticked it up just a little bit higher than um, the previous issue. So B out of me. Okay, time for this month in Spider History with JR. JR, we're going back to October of 1990 with uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 340 came out this month. Uh, the title was called The Hero Subtractor, written by David Michelini and art by Eric Larson on the cover. It has Spider-Man versus the Femme Fatales, introducing the Femme Fatales, which one woman is in pink, her brains are exposed. One woman is uh, has white dreadlocks and looks like cable-looking arms. One looks like a feral with long claws. And the other one, I think, is a woman with shoulder pads and a Madonna bra. So, Jr., tell me about the Femme Fatales. Have they ever been seen since? <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but looking looking at them, you, really, you can't say that women are being sexualized, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> looking at this cover... Oh, Blast, my. Whiplash, Knockout, and Bloodlust are the ladies' names. I know, I know. I was about to say, you know, Marvel's always saying that people can't relate to Spider-Man because he's too old or he's married or he's got the psoriasis or something. But, <laughs> you know, but, but, here in this, but here in this issue, we, you know, everyone, every man from 10 to 100 can relate to what Spider-Man's going through because this issue, he goes up against a bunch of crazy women. And what guy... <laughs> What guy, no matter what age, can't relate to that? Uh, anyway, uh, there's there's a bunch of little subplots going on, but the main plot here is that an ambassador of some recently freed Baltic country, and of course you have to put this in the context, this was 20 years ago, believe it or not, uh, and it was just after the fall of the Soviet Union, so the, all the countries along the... Uh, in that area like Livonia or Estonia and Latvia, and they all sound the same, uh, were um, becoming independent. Anyway, so this ambassador wants to meet a costume hero, so the mayor picks Spider-Man. And all of a sudden, gee whiz, the ambassador and his plane are being attacked by these four crazy women. And who, uh, you know, who are, and of course, like Brad said, you have Knockout, who is admittedly the best looking one of the bunch but that's not saying much she's the one with the metal dreadlocks okay. then there's the uh, then there's the one who's the dominatrix whiplash and why because well she she carries a whip so you know you didn't see that coming and then there's there's bloodlust who has the same same hairstyle as the black cat but has the complexion of carrion and <laughs> then then there's my personal favorite mind blast and you'll never guess why she's called Mind Blast. That's because she has a small fishbowl on the top of her head with a brain in it. So <laughs> you uh, you just didn't see them coming. I mean, you know, they picked you, you know nothing stereotypical about any of those names. You know, so so anyway, we have a pointless fight. You know, because it is the '90s. It is the age of images approaching, so it's a loud and pointless fight. Uh, and Spider-Man chases the femme fatales off, and he comes to the conclusion that he because because poor old Aunt May has just lost you know Nathan Lebensky, uh that you know he's all she has left, and so you know instead of you know instead of saying you know I'm all May has left. Mary Jane, you know what you were getting into when you married me because you knew I was Spider-Man, but May doesn't have a clue. Okay. So then what would a rational adult do? Would a rational adult say, you know what, I need to sit down with Aunt May and I need to tell her the truth? 
I need to put this back in her hands. I need to find out what it is that she can and can't tolerate or what she can and can't live with, and then I'll have to make a decision based on that. Or what do you do? Do you go to some scientist who you just met who had just recently zapped you with something that started to take away your spider powers, and but you, have, but you don't know this guy. You don't know anything about his equipment. You don't know anything about his motivations, <laughs> you know, and you, you go to him and say, I want you to take away my spider powers forever. So what do you do? Well, obviously, as you know, the, as any hero in the Marvel age would do, uh, you know, he chooses the latter, and then this lead—that's the end of this issue—and then this leads into where Spider-Man loses his powers, and you know, we go through the story arc of that, and then he gets them back, blah blah blah. So, oh boy, you know, not much of a. There wasn't much here, I tell you. Well, evidently, I just did some uh, research while you're talking on the Marvel at uh, Marv. Unapp.com, and I looked up Finn Fatale. The Mind Blast was last seen in Civil War War Crimes. And Mind Blast joined Hammerhead's villain army in order to take advantage of the raging superhero Civil War before they could begin doing so. However, their headquarters was raided by Iron Man and a small army of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Mind Blast's fate is in the ensuring melee. In the ensuring melee is unknown. However, the rest of them. Uh, Look for they, the fishbowl with the brain in it. That might give you the clues to where <laughs> she is. She, the rest of them went to Captain America, evidently, on 411 to 413. And also, the last time they were in a Spider-Man book was in Marvel Knights Spider-Man number 6. The Femme Fatales attended the auction in which the Venom symbiote was sold. I don't think the ladies had much money to buy the symbiote, but they were at the auction nonetheless. <laughs> so... The Femme Fatales was first appeared in this issue. Also, that came out in October of 1990 was Spectacular Spider-Man number 169. Spider-Man joined a team for the first time called the Outlaws. And this consisted of the Prowler, the Puma, Rocket Racer, and the Sandman. Uh, the title of this book is called The Outlaw Trail, written by Jerry Conway and art by Sabi Sima. Take it away, J.R. Well, you know, this one, uh, as, as far as the issues, this was the highlight, actually, of the month. And, uh, you know, you'll see, particularly after we talk about the next two issues, um, you know, why this was the highlight. You know, and I'll give you a hint, doom. Doom, doom. But anyway, uh, issue 169 of Spectacular Spider-Man. This, this is also of the middle of a multi-part tale. Basically, uh, last issue, Spider-Man was flagged by, down by She-Hulk. You know, and She-Hulk said, Spidey, come here. I need help lifting this big, heavy rock. You know, <laughs> and Spider-Man, you know, says, well, sure, you know. I mean, you're only probably, what, ten times stronger than I am, you know, and, and you're asking me to help you pull up a rock. I, nothing's funny about that. <laughs> anyway, so... So she, he helps her pull up this rock. This this gr mysterious black substance uh, flies out, and she pushes him in a hole, covers him up with the big heavy rock, you know, and uh, he's trapped. And of course, he does this. Oh God! Well, hey, man, Mary Jane, do without me. I've got to lift this big rock. Ah! Anyway, that was the last issue. So. <laughs> so anyway. What, so what, was that again? what was that again? No, no. You know. <laughs> Okay. It's a combination of Howard the Duck and some big omnibus falling on your foot. <laughs> so anyway, so he says, oh, man, you know, and of course, you know, so and then like he runs in the She-Hulk and, you know, basically says, you green bitch, and then slides the slug. Okay, so now he's on the Avengers shit list, and he says, 
oh, man, I'm in trouble. So he says, who are the most reliable group I can come up with? I know a bunch of ex-cons and uh, other people I don't trust. So he calls together the, 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 he, he calls the, the rocket outlaw. racer, Puma, you know, and, uh, and the Prowler and Sandman and said, uh, guys, I'm, something's going on. I'm in deep. The Avengers are mad at me, but I know something funny's going on, so I need, I need you to help. And uh, so anyway, what they, um, what they do is they all split up, and uh, they start uh, doing some re- uh, re- uh, – I'm not exactly sure what the hell they start doing, to be honest. Um, I went through this once, and uh, Puma and, uh, and uh, let's see here, Prowler are trying to break into the Kingpin's computer records, and I guess they're trying to find out more about this mysterious substance. Uh, anyway, but also one of the big subplots going on here though, is the uh, the Mary Jane, Jason Jerome subplot. Yeah. Ooh, you know, and, and, and this, this issue has uh, Mary Jane uh, picking up, um, I don't see where, I'm getting, I'm getting confused here. I think maybe it's in another, it's in the, uh, the web of Spider-Man issue where she's with Christy. But anyway, Mary Jane is walking down the street, you know, and uh, decides to go into a bar. <laughs> Here's the joke. Mary Jane walks into a bar and, uh, she says, boy, I hope nobody recognizes me. After all, I'm a married – I shouldn't be here. I'm a married woman, you know. I mean, so it's, she's kind of channeling Betty Brant there, I guess, um, you know. <laughs> and then guess who? Jason Jerome's there saying, oh, Mary Jane, how happy to see you here. Come here. Give me a little kiss. You deserve a little romance in your life, you know. And, <laughs> you know, and then he plants one on her. And, uh, oh, and here's Christy. Christy shows up with little Normie, and they both see her, and Mary Jane runs off. You know, what have I done? What have I done? Um, but then we find out later in the issue that this is all a plot of some glowing green alien and the space phantom. Um, I don't we don't need we don't know who the growing. Well, I don't even know he's an alien. He's just a glowing green guy. He's got some devious plan that the space phantom he's using the space phantom for the space phantom is masquerading as She-Hulk and Sandman and trying to uh, stir up all kinds of trouble. And uh, fortunately, at the end, after a lot of hijinks, uh, Spider-Man begins to figure things out and says, guys, we need to go see the Avengers to be concluded next issue in the in with in, in the title is Revelations. Wow, I have never seen that as a title of a Spider-Man story at all. Revelations. Wonder how many times that's been used. This yeah. was uh, in the '90s, and I when I read it, yep. When I read it in 1990, I thought, oh, they're going to spin Spider-Man off in a book called The Outlaws. I wonder why they didn't do that. Sales. I mean, sales. I agree. It's not that strong character, but it was so such a setup for a uh, team book. I would think. Well, what happened was Gary Conway went into Tom DeFalco's office and said, look, everybody knows you need another Spider-Man story, right? Or Spider-Man book? Well, well, let's put them on a team. Huh? Huh? What do you say? What do you say? And then <laughs> apparently that memo got left at the Marvel offices, and Brian Michael Bendis picked it up and said, ooh, idea. <laughs> Sorry. The uh, Also that came out this month is Web of Spider-Man number 69, uh, where the Hulk – and Betty Ross make an appearance. Hulk is on the cover saying Hulk smash, of course. The caption is, let's see how tough Spidey's without his cosmic powers. Clobbered in Connecticut is the title on the book. But the, uh, story of the, the title of the story inside the book is A Subtle Shade of Green, written by, again, Jerry Conway and Alex Savick. What do you think of this one? This is a prelude to Spider-Hulk, huh? 
Yes, it is. And and, and actually, when I was going through this uh, 1990s uh, issues and then this month in 2000, um, 2000 uh, this is one of the reasons I picked this one because I knew this month because I knew we would have Bertoni with us because not only does Betty Ross and, and the Hulk make an appearance in this issue but so does Betty Brandt. Anyway, Peter Peter is watching TV in the uh, offices of Jameson Publications because at this time the Puma has bought the Bugle and uh, out from under Jonah and so now Jonah is trying to start up something else and they're hearing about these 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 reports of a wild beast roaming around Connecticut. And Peter is saying, "Man, I got to get some pictures." Hey, and uh, and uh, Jay, and uh, he he gets he for some reason thinks that Jonah wants him to write the story too. And Peter says, "Oh, I don't know about that." And and Jonah says, "Well, of course not. I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about her." And Peter turns around, and it's Betty Brant. Betty, what are you doing here? Well, all the years I worked for Jonah writing memos. Somehow he got the notion I might have some talent, <laughs> so yeah, why not? Why not, Betty? That's that's a pretty big leap. But what's what's really interesting is um, then of course Betty and Peter go out together to investigate all these reports of a wild beast, and uh, you know Betty is saying, oh, you know what, Peter? You know for you know she's giving him his giving him her life story, and she says, I let other people make my decisions. What did it get me? A dead end career as a professional secretary and a nervous breakdown after my husband died, and it's almost like I'm expecting her to say, but I'm much better now, you know, like <laughs> that uh, like that John Aston character in Night Court. So, I, you know, I don't know what there is. The, the 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 other plot going on here is there's some some dude who apparently his brother fought the Fantastic Four and died, and now he wants revenge. He's working with something that looks like an Asgardian helmet, but he calls it a biokinetic energy absorber. And uh, actually, you know what? That almost sounds like either a a mop or a maxi pad product, or something. you know, the biokinetic <laughs> absorber. Anyway, um, so anyway, he he this this guy, this crazy scientist, goes to with his uh, pointy helmet uh, and finds this cabin, he, he has tracked down the energy signature of the beast and finds out it's the Hulk, but actually now it's Bruce Banner, uh, and he pokes Bruce Banner in the head with the horns of his biokinetic energy absorber, and Bruce turns into the Hulk. And of course, you know the Hulk is really mad because he, he the, this guy has done the the one unforgivable thing that the Hulk can't tolerate. He says, Hulk remembers, you poked Hulk's head! <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. Hulk, no, no poke Hulk. <laughs> so Spider-Man came yeah. out years later with a hokey pokey Hulk. <laughs> so, so anyway, the Hulk and Spider-Man fight. Uh, Betty, Betty just stands there and watches. Uh, and uh, look, it, it looks like the uh, it looks like the Hulk has, they 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 fell into a lake. Uh, and it looks like maybe uh, the Hulk drowns Spider-Man because the Hulk then grabs Betty, jumps off. Spider-Man comes up gasping for air, and he's saying, oh, man, he's got a headache, not to mention an itch on my back that just won't quit. Mm -hmm. And, of course, this is to be hulk inued. And, well, the next issue, of course, we get the infamous Spider-Hulk. So this, 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 this has been a terrific month. This is, this is to be hulk inued. To be hook in you. <laughs> that sounds wrong for a hook uh... in you. Hulk, Hulk in is in you. Oh, I get it. He wrote the night when Stacy died. We we can let him pass on this one. 
Yeah, this is Jerry Ooh. Conway. I mean, come on. <laughs> we'll give him well, a pass. They, they even made a Hulk, Spider-Hulk action fig- figure back in the day, too, based on this issue. Uh, was this any good, JR? <laughs> was this issue any good? <laughs> Besides the poking of the Hulk. <laughs> oh. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. I don't, maybe for a laugh, I hope you didn't pay full. I hope you didn't go into a back issue band looking at paying $6 for this. Uh, but <laughs> Also, that came out this month, sold a ton of issues. Uh, Adjectiveless Spider-Man number three. Written by Todd McFarlane, art by Todd McFarlane, ink by Todd McFarlane, birth by Todd McFarlane, conceptualized, doomed by Todd McFarlane. This this is called Torment Number Three. Uh, Lizard and Calypso are in it. Go pre-lizard rape. <laughs> well, <laughs> the logo is upside down too. If you read, if you read um, Torment Part One and yeah. Torment Part Two. And maybe even Torment Part Four and Part Five. You, you pretty good. You pretty well understand the idea of Torment Part Three. Basically, basically there's really nothing that goes on uh, except uh, Calypso is standing in the background, you know, moaning and casting spells. Ooh. You know, the, the the lizard is hissing and 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 trying to eat Spider-Man. My God, that looks pretty though. Uh, Mary, let's see, see this. Mary, yes, Mary Jane is is looking for a place to go party, and um, the uh, and instead of dialogue or anything, we just get doom, 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 in, in virtual on virtually every page. Let's see, let's count the dooms. Page one has just one doom. Okay. <laughs> Now, page two and three is a, is a big spread, so there are three dooms here. Uh, let's see here. And um, let's see. Okay, page four. Okay, here. Page four has one, two, three dooms. Page five has five dooms. And then it just keeps building into a crescendo. And then I think on page eight or whatever, Spider-Man's on his knees in a panel yelling stop, and the whole background is the word. Or doom. doom. So, he's, yelling, uh, he's yelling, stop at the writer. Please stop saying doom. <laughs> and then the... the, the mimicking the, the reader. And then the, the final the, the final, um, uh, final page is, is, a one, is one uh, panel, and it's Craven with half his head gone, uh, saying that, um, let's see here, the night has just begun. No, uh, no. And then <laughs> we breathlessly have to wait for part four. So... Um, Wow. One of the best-selling comic books of all time. <laughs> d- d- but it was pretty, though, wasn't it? God damn it. And my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Just pick it up and yell, you're doomed, and hang up. <laughs> yeah, Todd McFarlane just called him. <laughs> he screamed something awesome to it. Awesome into it, like uh, trying to silence the wife or something like that. What did you say? <laughs> Oh, also, so you were asking what kind of month it was. Yeah, well, there's one more. I don't think you read it though. It's Mark Spector, Moon Knight. Uh, Spider-Man made an appearance this month too. You probably didn't get that one though, right? Uh, you, uh, you mean after these four treasures, there was yet another one I needed to seek out? <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> what kind of month was it though? Spider-related? You haven't figured out. Uh, <laughs> we're doomed. <laughs> this was this was the this was this was the beginning of the nineties and how appropriate it was. No, I mean, doubt. This, no doubt. This was me- mediocrity personified. Doom. You know, it's it's kind of like you know they had no stories to tell, so they told them anyway. <laughs> so. the sad All right. Thing is, these books probably sold twice as much as current issues. 
Unfortunately, that is no doubt true. All right, recommendations for the month of October. Kevin, you haven't given any since July. What do you like, sir? I know. I actually like quite a bit. I've stored a few up. So nice. sit back, relax, and uh, grab one of the three beers I'm about to recommend. <laughs> <laughs> I have tasted some tasty beer. First off, if you like dark beer, if you like tasty beer, I started out this particular podcast drinking a <laughs> Sam Adams Oktoberfest, uh, which is the seasonal beer going on right now from Sam Adams. Just very, very, very tasty beer. I'd recommend that for just about anybody. I also tried one uh, called Fat Tire. <laughs> um, you tried Fat Tire. Yeah, I know it well. Not a not a great title, but a a good beer, and I got it for a decent price for a twelve pack at the CVS. So you can't really beat that, and it got me drunk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then there is. Yeah, there is a place in uh, Hollywood called Stout, uh, which is a restaurant that uh, has just a big old beer selection. You gotta love it. And I tried there a a Russian dark beer called Old Rasputin, uh, which is nine percent alcohol, and and that is a tasty beer. <laughs> if you like a dark beer where you can taste the alcohol you're drinking, try you some Old Rasputin. You'll be burping up Rasputin for hours. Uh, <laughs> It'll make oh, you fat. How, how far we've come since the literature recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We're on, you're on your fourth beer now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I should throw in a ceremonial, oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> wow. While I'm on the food topics, I've also been uh, chomping on some very tasty Wheat Thins Toasted Chips. I don't know if you've tried these suckers, but they are salty, buttery, and delicious. Uh, they also say 100% whole grain, which makes me feel like I'm eating healthy, even though I'm probably not. Um, but yeah, very, very tasty. Much better than the old uh, cardboard wheat thins that uh, are actually healthy. Um, I, I caught up on a few comics in the past couple of weekends. I finally read the entire Avengers Academy series. Um which was fantastic. Isn't it? Yeah. Awesome. I read it up to where I have, which is issue 19, um, including the point one issue, which was, I thought, relatively essential. Uh, great series. I, I really enjoyed it. Do not go track down the Thunderbolts tie-in to one of their early issues, because it doesn't matter at all. Um, there's a reason they left it out of the trade. Um, but it's it a really good series. It actually reminds me kind of a lot of The Order. Uh, which Matt Fraction did a couple of years ago, which is a high compliment because I really, really liked the order. Um, yeah, great series, great new characters, great, uh, great dynamic, great stuff with the old characters. Your Hank Pym, Tigra, uh, all the Quicksilver, great job Tigra? with Quicksilver. Huh? Tigra or Tigra? <sighs> Tigra? I thought it was Tigra. It's okay. either or. I made a tomato. Tigra. Um, it's it's not I, either or. Uh, <laughs> oh, I've, I've always called her Tigra, but. Really? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not what that spelling ever leads to. But maybe that's just me. Uh, another thing I caught up on, see, on the plane. Oh, I read uh, Kieran Gillen's Journey into Mystery. Mm -hmm. Such a good freaking comic. Um, you know how some people were just kind of born to be matched with certain characters? Like, uh, I think Mark Texera and Javier Salteres uh, in The Wound were predestined to do Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. um, Kieran Gillen, I think, was put on this earth to put words in the mouths of Mephisto and Loki. <laughs> when this guy's working on Mephisto and Loki, it's just freaking brilliant. Journey into Mystery, I, I still have to read a bunch of those. Oh, it's so good. There's only four issues out so far, at least, that I've gotten from... Oh, really? Mailer Comics, but it's 
Yeah, it's 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 young Loki, which I didn't read Matt Fraction's Thor book when uh, Loki got put into this, you know, became a little kid, but I had no problem understanding it. And it sounds like a dumb idea, but Kieran Gillen just writes him so freaking well. And the art is gorgeous. It's, uh, Any Spider-Man references with Mephisto? Uh, not yet. <laughs> we'll uh. find out. There is a lot of... <clears throat> Don't hold your breath. If yeah, you read uh, a lot of Gillen's work in this corner of the universe for a while, like his Thor run, and he did a, a New Mutants issue and stuff. He's been working with Loki and Mephisto uh, and Hela for for a while now. Um, but I think it's it's really easy to understand the story. And Doug Brethwaite's art is just fantastic. I mean, absolutely love it. Um, so that's got to be one of my favorite things running right now. I also... Um, Somebody else doing a good job writing Mephisto. I also caught up on the first two issues of the new Ghost Rider series. Is uh, it good? I've ordered it. It's on my to-read list. It is a lot of fun. Uh, this guy knows how to write him just a, a good, fun comic. Uh, I'm, I'm having a good time with that. Johnny Blaze is still one of the stars of it, even though he's not the Ghost Rider anymore. Um, he's building a, an interesting new mythology. Now, this is the same writer that did the, the Ghost Rider Spider-Man backup, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay. Because uh, I thought that was pretty solid too. Which is even referenced that uh, that big monster from that backup comes back, but I think this is better, um, probably because it, it is solely in Ghost Rider's universe and he's not having to shoehorn Spider-Man into it. Right. Um, but yeah, really, really solid stuff. Um, and that's I think. Did I? Oh, I don't think I've recommended. I think it's been a couple of months since I've been on here. So uh, Torchwood TV show, which is a spinoff of Doctor Who. I've been watching more Doctor Who on Netflix, uh, which has been really good. I'm up to – I finished season three. Uh, and so I've been watching with that the seasons of Torchwood that aired along with it. And that's a really, really good show. It's not for the children. Uh, it's, a, it's a more mature show than Doctor Who. It's also – you know, if you're a homophobe with your head stuck in the 50s, you can pass this one right up because pretty much everybody's bisexual. Um <laughs> But it's, it's actually it's a really really solid sci-fi. Show. That's the show for you to watch, Mighty Dude. No, <laughs> Dick Rod. Thank you. <laughs> so I think also on Netflix, amazing friend. Hey, Philadelphia, your salty tears sustain me. Sorry, I have no idea what you're talking about, and nobody else cares. Sports. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that concludes my recommendations for the moment. If I think of any later, I'll come back. All right, uh, Zach. What do you like this month? Uh, well, I like American football and uh, the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be going to one and four, and the Philadelphia Phillies are completely out of the playoffs in baseball. And again, Philadelphia, your salty tears sustain me. Um, <laughs> my recommendations for this month: uh, Clone Saga Chronicles. We got the brand new feed up, barely. <laughs> Bertoni was late by a couple of days, but uh, the new feed is up on iTunes, so go check that out. Uh, new episodes will be out fairly soon. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to recommend the new iPhone. Uh, I have, oh, not, I have 4S? not. Yeah, the 4S. Uh, I, everything, I've been doing a lot of research concerning a new phone, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be getting that new one, but, uh, the software alone is worth it. So if you've got a f- iPhone 4, uh, definitely, definitely check that out. Um, other than that, I'm pretty boring this month. So. Okay. George, bacon, bacon, and more bacon. Uh, and on top of that, uh, bacon. <laughs> no, um, I've been watching uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. They just put it up on Netflix. I have too. And uh, that, to me, 
I like the whole Next Generation universe, um, but I think that was the best show out of all of them. JR, what do you think? I I agree with you. Um, I agree of the, too, of the next unit of the the next generation universe. I, uh, deeps it started off kind of a little bit slow, uh, but then I think it it built uh, and and became the best of them all. Well, what what it was you know originally tried to start off with all that you know ambiguous spirituality you know self examination. Ooh, there's this unknown you know crap thing that like, you know that they've done ad nauseum, and they they eventually dropped that and just got right into hardcore action. About well, the same I, time I, Avery Brooks shaved his head. Yes. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think it was season three or season four, once Worf joined, it got That good. was, uh, what, season four? Oh, it was the yeah. same time that the Dominion War really started, so that, exactly. and that was what was really awesome. Yeah, once that started, it was just off the chain. And Next Generation had the same problem. First two seasons were kind of rough. It was it wasn't until about season three it got good, too. Yeah, when they switched uniforms from, and they actually got collars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What else do you like, George? What the DCU does. Um, what else? That's that's probably about it right now. X Men uh, First Class is out on Blu-ray right now. That's oh yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm holding on for Black right Friday, so maybe it can be cheaper. I, I have a problem yeah, paying twenty-five bucks for a Blu-ray. Dude, go get it on Amazon. You can get a discount on Amazon. Uh, I, I, eh. I, I want I want ten bucks. And I'm oh, surprised God. that it doesn't come with a DVD, too. It seems so many things these days, it's going to be $25. It's like a Blu-ray, DVD, digital copy combo pack. Yeah. yeah. Really? Which makes only... more... <clears throat> well, it means more to me oh, these yeah. days because I end up watching movies so often on my computer so I can use the DVD on my computer. Yeah. $21.99 on Amazon right now. It's a little bit too much for me. Oh, God. It is. Really? $22? bucks. $22 for a Blu-ray, yeah. Ugh. Too much. I got diapers for a DVD, but... Yeah. Well, you got a kid though. That's different. Mm. All right. Yeah, I can see that. I'm a swinging single dude, and I'm cool. Apparently, <laughs> according to Joe Quesada. That all, Jr. I mean, uh, George. I'm George. Yeah, I'm not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jr. What? What's I'm in Texas, not Ohio. I was yeah, about George, to say, who, who did you just insult more? Uh, anyway. <laughs> George is way more relatable than Jr. Because swinging single. My God. Dude. That's right. George <laughs> is younger and singler and. Uh, <laughs> More relatable. Everybody, more people want to be like George than they want to be like me. So, um, unfortunately, uh, I have nothing to recommend. Uh, my life has been so dull lately. Um, but uh, between uh, between uh, going out and looking at colleges uh, during the month and fretting about how I'm going to pay for it, uh, I really haven't had any time to look at anything cool or exciting. So I'll just have to have to uh, wait until next month. Hey, Jr. Colleges you can recommend. Jr. Yeah, yes. recommends colleges. Jr. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, not as the prices daughter... I've seen. Huh? What is your What does your daughter think she wants to do? Uh, right now, she's interested in forensic science. She. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, Cooper. she does. She doesn't. I, don't I, insult Jr.'s daughter by calling her Carly. <laughs> what, wow, I don't know what that says about Marvel. I didn't call her Michelle Gonzalez. Uh, actually, actually, she. <laughs> Actually, you won't believe this, but she has a, a thick black headband, and uh, when I uh, when she wears it, I go, "Hey, you're wearing your Gwen Stacy headband," mm-hmm. and uh, 
she's got long blonde hair too. So honest to God, she sometimes does look like Gwen Stacy. But uh, anyway, um, but now she's she's interested either in forensic psychology. I think she's interested in forensic psychology. So you know, she wants to see what makes serial killers' minds tick. And I said, well, I said you've got a good start. You know, learn how crazy people think. You've got your mother right here. So oh, uh, <laughs> she can wind up. Hey, she can wind up getting like a job at like the FBI or something. That'd be kind of cool. That'd be cool. I feel yeah, like that's... since Jr. just described a smart girl that looks like Gwen Stacy, he's gonna get a lot of private messages from guys that want dates now. Oh. <laughs> okay, Jr. You need to follow that up real quick with she, and she's as batshit crazy as Gwen Stacy was too. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a big gun, <laughs> so yeah. let's stay away. And my yard is landmine. As long as she doesn't want to sleep with a guy with red hair, redheaded cornrows, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> Josh, what are your recommendations, uh, sir? Um, well, on the subject of um, our dearly departed uh, friend Stella, um, I had this recommendation before she left, actually. The last few episodes of Batgirl the Oracle have like just been on a whole other level entirely. She's been slaving away at those, and she's added some new segments, and she does fanfics at the end of them now, which are like really funny, and she does the fanfics in the little voices. Uh, she just did a funny Seinfeld one that we read in San Diego, and... She reads uh, the letters pages of Batman Family, and she does them in, like, these very, very insulting comic book guy voices. It's really, really funny, but uh, some of the best podcasts that I've listened to in the past few years, probably, and and I listen to probably about five or six podcasts a week, so... uh, Batgirl to Oracle, if you don't listen to it, if you miss Stella, hey, that's a good show right there. And she's putting some A-plus effort into that one. I've been downloading old episodes of Cheers um, that I haven't seen oh, in a yeah. long time, and that show is hilarious. It's like uh, the writing's good, and uh, every now and then people will write me on Facebook or PM me on the message board like, hey, I found this random girl from fiction. Isn't she worse than Betty? And usually they're not, <laughs> but if you want to find a girl worse than Betty, Diane Chambers, you know, by <laughs> and large. Oh, my goodness, Diane Chambers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, Parks and Recreation, it's always funny. Um, they just started their new season. They've been hitting it out of the park, too. Love Parks and Recreation. Um, I think I might even be enjoying it more than The Office at this point, which I never would have thought in season one. So those are my recommendations. Okay, mine are one Spider-Man related. It's uh, I, I got a good deal on the new Spider-Man Vault book. Basically, it's uh, if you've seen any other books like Marvel Vault, there's a Star Trek Vault. It's basically a history of the character with some collectibles reproduced in here. Uh, like there's a Daily Bugle press pass. There's an early 1960s Spider-Man bumper sticker for your car. And it's written by Peter David. And it's basically a first-person Spider-Man history lesson through the eyes of Peter David. So highly recommend that. We're going to have him on the show this year. To talk about the book and also Edge of Time. So I, I got this book for a steal through Amazon. I got it for $8. And it normally price is like $25. I went through the, the, you know how you can buy it from Amazon or you can buy it through some other uh, sellers. This one seller was selling it for $8. So that just heck of a deal. Again, Spider-Man The Vault. Also, X-Men, how do you say this? Schism? Is that how you say it? Schism. Schism. Really, really, Brad? Schism. Wow. Are you Snoop Dogg now? Am I what? Are you Snoop Dogg now? Fauxism. Kevinsism. Hey, Brad, what what island is Wonder Woman from? Uh, Shakira. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that sounds like a quality story. (laughs) Shakira, Shakira. Uh, Great, hard hard book to say, easy book to read. 
Cyclops versus Wolverine over uh, a fundamental difference that splits the teams. Best the X-Men have been in a long time, for for sure. Uh, pick up it's a five issue miniseries written by Jason Aaron, who I like his I liked his Ghost Rider stuff, I like his solo Wolverine stuff. Uh, so I'm looking forward to his Wolverine and the Avengers book. But the miniseries set in the X Men, you mean? Wolverine and the X Men is the name of the <laughs> name of the solo book that Aaron's doing. So what are you recommending again? Uh, X Men Schism. <laughs> Uh, what the hell is that? Somebody sharpened. Somebody's shredding? We shredding documents? <laughs> somebody made a sentinel in the garage? Uh, sorry, I forgot to mute the microphone. <laughs> you uh JR is shredding his web of Spider-Man 69 <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, a book Kevin ironically dissed in his recommendations that I actually caught up a year's worth on was Thunderbolts. And it's really pretty good. It's kind of like Marvel Dirty Dozen with uh, Crossbones, uh, badass Luke Cage in charge of the team. Uh, you got Moonstone, Songbird, uh, Juggernaut, uh, also Mr. Hyde. And they get transported around through Man-Thing, which sounds funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it does. Just yeah, a, dirty. Just a, book. Jeff Parker's writing it. A uh, solid book. I read it a year's worth in one sitting. Boy, that and, Luke Cage uh, is a busy guy, isn't he? Isn't he, though? He's very popular. He's Jesus. on screen now. Not as busy as Wolverine or Spider-Man, though. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Thunderbolts, good book. I don't think... Uh, you don't hear did anybody... You read, did you read the Avengers Academy uh, pseudo-not-really-a-crossover in that? Yeah, it really wasn't a crossover. It was just more of yeah, a continuum. I originally thought it was like part one's over here, part two's over here, part three's over here. It was just, this is the same story from the Thunderbolts perspective, and their perspective sucks. <laughs> but anyway. That's what I got. That's, that. that's my three recommendations. I don't have any beer or cracker recommendations like Kevin. <laughs> well, you know, not everybody can please everybody all the time. When it so comes to crackers, I'm going to recommend Spidey Dude. <laughs> And I wear that I wear that that title with honor. All right, no more cracker re- recommendations. <laughs> okay, time for message board. Everybody ready? Here we go. Plowing through this like a tie hooker. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. One more, one more ceremonial. Oh dear. <laughs> Speccio oh, from the edge of time to Mister Douglas. Maybe this is just me. But what's up with John Romita Jr.'s recent artwork? I really don't like what he's doing on the Avengers. Um, you know what? I'm the biggest John Romita Jr. fan, and I, I too have noticed a difference in quality of, say, his Spider-Man stuff and this. Uh, I don't know if he's stretched too thin by doing the kick-ass stuff, or if that many characters in one book uh, is making him rush through it a little bit, I, I, or maybe it's a bad inker, or I don't know. But um, I really... I'm not feeling it either, and he's recently wrapped up on that book. So they haven't announced his next project, but I hope it's a solo character, because I think that's where his strengths are. Uh, Speccio's other question is to the Crawl Space Gang, where's my brownies at? And well, who's your favorite pony? Okay. Uh, uh, I, <laughs> in reference to, I have no idea. I think it's in reference to there's like some new, like, 
cult internet meme or something about like some My Little Pony show. My brother's really into it. He posts about it on Facebook all the time, like about like which pony's yeah. your pony or something. And like, they, I, there's articles about it. I thought it was just like my brother picking on something, but apparently it's a big thing. So I, I'm I like the Rainbow which Ponies. <laughs> which pony? Which pony is your pony, Brad? I don't know. Anyway, come on, ride the pony. Chrono Spidey from we don't know where. Uh, what did it's you John read? Wilson. He's oh, that is John Wilson. I'll be damned. Oh, man. Uh, John, John Wilson asks, what did you read from DC's first month of the New 52, and what were your most and least favorites? Can I go first on this one? You're, you're the host. Who are you asking? Okay, I'm, well, I'm asking myself. Uh, <laughs> here's what I picked up. I picked up Batman, Detective, Batman Dark Knight, Action Comics, Superman, and Batgirl. Uh, of all those, and, and JLA. Of all those, the best one was Batman number one by Greg Capullo. I thought that was outstanding. Uh, second in line was uh, Detective. I thought it was okay. I'm interested in the Joker storyline. Uh, Dark Knight by Paul Jenkins had beautiful looking artwork, but a so so story. Action Comics is intriguing in the fact that it's an early Superman with blue jeans. I, I, it, <laughs> it's just kind of. Just kind of different. Um, Superman was by far the worst book I've read of all of them. Uh, so much, in fact, that I could not get through it. Uh, and then I remembered that George Perez, in my opinion, can't write. I remember he had a bad run on Silver Surfer back in the 90s. And Dude, I really he also had a great run on Wonder Woman. Well, I didn't read that, but I... I, I he, he can write when he wants to, Brad. Well, 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 of what I've read from him, I don't think I don't like his writing style. Uh, but his penciling is epic. So, uh, I'm not going to pick up Superman again. Um, I also read Batgirl. Probably not going to order that again either. I really didn't care for the Batgirl. I'm sorry, Stella. <laughs> but well, from what I understand, Stella I, didn't like the book either. <laughs> yeah, I was fixing to say, Stella wasn't a big fan of the book either. So, What's the other one? JLA was okay. Uh, I love Jim Lee art. have ever since the X-Men days. So... Anybody else? Two cents? Kevin, you picking up anything? Well, I ordered uh, six of the new 52, as they call them, but sadly I don't have my shipment for the month yet, so I have not gotten to read any of them. Okay. I skimmed most of them. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think if I had a clear favorite, like one that was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Like, I liked the beginning of Action Comics, and a lot of people did, but the end it fell apart for me. Supergirl was, you know, okay, but it, you know, and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't. Uh, my least favorite of the month would have to be Red Hood and the Outlaws, and there's a question about that later, and I'll address that then. That's one of the is six I ordered. <laughs> is that is that uh, the one with the the orange character and the sex? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. George Perez. George Perez is her co-creator. You know. Brad, honey, I don't need to know your name, Douglas. <laughs> As long as you're orange. Uh, She's been a major me, supporting character in the DC Universe since 1980. Pardon me. Yeah. I've been eating a lot of Cheetos, honey. Uh, <laughs> well, now she comes from she comes from the Wolfman Perez okay. Titans. And, What's and her name? Brad, Brad, you know, Starfire. 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 
I've I never uh, until this recent controversy with Star Five I've ever heard of her. Yeah, and there was also that Teen Titans cartoon show that millions of people saw that she was on. And, Not uh, my ass. <laughs> she was on um, that direct to DVD, you know, Superman Batman Public Enemies movie. Um, she was in a relationship with Nightwing for you know over about fifteen years or so. But yeah, yeah, and, and no one important, Brad. Nope, she's that orange chick that's horny. Correct. Uh, <laughs> Greg XB from New York. Brad, Lizard's going to be the villain in the next Spider-Man film. Ugh. Who would you most hope to see in a sequel? Norman Osborn, as portrayed by Tommy Lee Jones. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I want to see Norman in a in a better Goblin suit, and I think Jr. agrees. What do you think? Uh, I'd like to see. Well, yeah, if I see him again, I'd like to see him in a better Goblin suit, but. I'm not so sure I want to see Norman in another Spider-Man movie until I see how this one turns out. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so so maybe, both... maybe conniving in the background of this one and maybe full-blown appearance in number two? I don't, know. I don't think he's even in the background of this one. I think Oscorp is in it, but I don't think so, uh, he's in the background. Yeah. So you're both saying then that you don't believe A.V. Aired when he says this isn't a reboot? <laughs> don't call it a comeback. JR, what did you think of Norman's appearance in New Avengers? Ooh, this is a good one. New Avengers 16.1, and more specifically, how do you feel about Norman taking on a more barren Strucker-type role in the Marvel Universe with Strucker dead, Hydra decimated? Hammer seems to have taken their place. Hmm. Did well, you like 16.1? You know, yeah, I did. I did pick. Of course I picked it up. I mean, it had Norman in it. <laughs> exactly. But um, I, I, I – wow. I uh, I I try to make this short as possible, but uh, there there were so many things to say about one. I know that I was supposed to, I know that since Neil Adams did the art, I was supposed to grovel at the brilliance of his art. But my my you know everyone talks about uh, t- uh, what's his name Todd Liefeld and his his sense of proportions. Okay, Rob Rob huh? Liefeld Rob Liefeld <laughs> Todd, Rob Liefeld is actually funny. <laughs> it is. <laughs> It, it, it's the marriage of Todd McFarlane and Rob oh, Liefeld, two of the '90s biggest names. Uh, I was about to say it's probably that his middle initial, his middle name is Lee, right? Oh boy, no, his middle name is Doom. When, when uh, he was when he was born, he was born regular. He was born with a holographic cover. He was born with a gold foiled cover. And, and, and anyway, well, from what I understand, Wolverine is supposed to be pretty small. Probably around, you know, short for a guy. We're about 5'5", five, five, even though he's probably built like a brick house. Norman Osborn has always been portrayed as a fairly big man. Well, anyway, in one panel, Wolverine has got his hand fully encircling Norman Osborn's head. Now, I, I'm just wondering, in what, what anatomy class, you know, did, did he take where he's drawing... Something like this, anyway. That was a cool visual, though, with the claws in his mouth. But but I couldn't get past that huge hand. I mean, it's like, what has he been doing with that hand all these years that it's so big? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what they say, Jr. about people with big hands? Uh, They got big feet. And and not only that, but it's probably the hand is probably hairy too, isn't it? Oh God, Jr. JR, that line where Norman says to Jessica Jones, though, I'm going to kill that baby. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wasn't that awesome? I was just, I mean, oh, I was. That was that was totally badass, yeah. yeah that was um, so, for Wolverine to go off 
that. That was just awesome. Um, as far as him taking on a Baron Strucker type role, I had <clears throat> I had to do some research, which as George so brilliantly defined it, research equals Google, because um, <laughs> I didn't know who Strucker was. <laughs> but if, first of all, you say Strucker's dead. I'm thinking, uh, yeah, right. This is Marvel, right? But um, you know, last issue he died. Oh, he did, huh? Yeah, um, the, the thing is. Marvel always has to have some somebody who's running the show behind the scenes or who's running these evil organizations, whether it's Strucker or the Red Skull or, you know, Dr. Doom's in charge of something. I mean, you know, Norman's kind of the flavor of the month, apparently. Bendis, Bendis apparently likes the character, must like writing, so that's why he's showing up. so much he's stolen from Spidey. Yeah, exactly. You know, so... Um, it, it's, I, I, you know, I, I think it's just that, you know, right now Norman seems to be Bendis' favorite villain, and so he's plugging him in everywhere. I, I don't necessarily see him taking on a quote-unquote Strucker-type role. I mean, it's it's just that he's the megalomaniac of the day, you know, and then when Bendis leaves or tires of him, and then, you know, then it'll be somebody else. And we'll wrap up the show right about there. We have one more episode to release this month, but before I go, I want to give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. Another example of their great prices is on the Spider-Man Through the Decades trade paperback. The description reads, quote, Watch as Spidey matures from a high school student fighting Sandman to a desperate hero battling the Green Goblin to the death. Or at least we thought it was his death. Witness threats ranging from underworld thugs to giant robots to alien symbiotes and see some of the key moments in his personal life, including his proposal to Mary Jane Watson and it's a glimpse of classic Spidey from every era of his life, unquote. Now, the cover price for the trade, $26.99. Mail order has it for just $16.73, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at their new website, mailordercomics.com. For the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com, I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas. (laughs) 